0: Let's open our time together with a word of prayer. Gracious God, you are, um, you are good and you are just. Um, and you will not let the guilty go unpunished, but you are uh, long-suffering and patient, and you sent your servants, the prophets, uh, to warn your people and call them to uh, return to you to repent. Um, and the wrath that you pour out uh, is uh, so justly deserved. Lord God we pray that we would not um be like those uh who Jeremiah spoke to um who uh will not listen um who have uh, no understanding who are wise only in their evil doing. Lord give us uh, your wisdom. Give us your word of truth. um not only give us uh, knowledge of you uh, and uh, knowledge of ourselves um, but give us faith and repentance that we might turn away from our sin and turn to you and follow you in faithful belief. Lord, thank you uh, for uh, Jeremiah, um, how he speaks uh, so directly, um, but yet uh, feels uh, for the people uh, on whom he's proclaiming wrath. Um, Help us be the same, Lord, um, to uh, both proclaim your truth but also have hearts um, for people who stand under your judgment uh, and that we would um, use our grief uh, over the sin of our world um, as uh, motivation to proclaim your gospel. Speak to us now by your Holy Spirit. Uh, Guide us in all truth, uh, we ask, in Christ's name, by the power of your Spirit. Amen. All right, so last week um, we looked at chapter 3, which began, if you recall, portraying Judah and Israel as adulterous wives. Um, he started chapter 3 with a direct uh, quotation from the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy Law Concerning Divorce, uh, which he then applied to the situation of Judah, um, who had not only committed adultery against God by following other gods, but uh, in very graphic language we saw, was prostituting herself to other gods uh, in acts that involved physical, sexual immorality. Um, then God continued using that adulterous picture, but with a comparison, comparing Judah and Israel, we saw in chapter 3, um, describing uh, the northern kingdom of Israel as, as Again, like following that Deuteronomic law that he had presented, um, having been served with a certificate of divorce and sent into exile um, because she was faithless. Um, Judah, in comparison, is worse than that northern kingdom because not only is faithless but treacherous. They've seen what God had done to the northern kingdom of Israel, and yet they were doing the exact same things. Um, it's not only uh, as as Landon pointed out last week it's not just that they're stupid um by you know seeing someone else do something and the negative consequences but they're they're deceitful they're treacherous they're willingly going into it um so it's not only do they know uh it's an offense to god that's punishable by by judgment and exile it's like they're giving god the middle finger um so Amazingly, after this um, graphic portrait of Judah and Israel's adultery, um, the main theme of the second half of chapter three was built around this this call to repentance, Um, this repeated use of the word return, return, faithless Israel, return, O faithless children, return, O faithless sons. So he had this this portrait um, of Israel had um, turned, uh, and Judah had turned away from God, turned their back on God, and now God is calling them to to return. Um, uh, God is calling to turn back to them. So that note of repentance, you'll see at the beginning of chapter four. Um, Most people, when they talk about the first four verses of chapter four, usually lump them together with chapter three. I think that there's a good fit. You'll see at the end um, of this call to repentance, there's a warning of what happens if they don't repent. And chapter four is going to be the um, graphic depiction of the consequences of (laughs) non-repentance for the people. Um, And the main consequences of that is this graphically described judgment uh, coming uh, of God using the nations to pour out his wrath upon Judah and Jerusalem. And we'll see um, in this chapter, it literally makes, like seeing this vision, seeing what happens to uh, the people of Judah, seeing what happens to Jerusalem, uh, makes um, Jeremiah literally sick to his stomach. Okay, so with that as a word of introduction, uh, let me read uh, for us Jeremiah chapter four, um, beginning in verse one and reading, Uh, through the end of the chapter. If you return, O Israel, declares the Lord, to me you should return. If you remove your detestable things from my presence and do not waver, and if you swear as the Lord lives in truth and justice and in righteousness, then nations shall bless themselves in him and in him shall they glory. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts. O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire, and burn with none to quench it, because of the evil of your deeds. Declare in Judah, and proclaim in Jerusalem, and say, Blow the trumpet through the land. Cry aloud and say, assemble, and let us go into the fortified cities. Raise a standard toward Zion. Flee for safety. Stay not, for I bring disaster from the north and great destruction. A lion has gone up from his thicket. A destroyer of nations has set out. He has gone out from his place to make your land a waste. Your cities will be ruins without inhabitant. For this, put on sackcloth, lament, and wail, for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. In that day, declares the Lord, courage shall fail, both king and officials. The priests shall be appalled and the prophets astounded. Then I said, Ah, Lord, God, surely you have utterly deceived this people and Jerusalem, saying, It shall be well with you whereas the sword has reached their very life. At that time it will be said to his people and to Jerusalem, a hot wind from the bare heights in the desert toward the daughter of my people, not to window or cleanse. A wind too full for this comes for me. Now it is I who speak in judgment upon them. Behold, he comes up like clouds, his chariots like whirlwinds. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are ruined. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from evil, that you may be saved. How long shall your wicked thoughts lodge within you? For a voice declares from Dan and proclaims trouble from Mount Ephraim. Warn the nations that he is coming. Announce to Jerusalem, besiegers come from a distant land. They shout against the cities of Judah. Like keepers of a field are they against her all around, because she has rebelled against me, declares the Lord. Your ways and your deeds have brought this upon you. This is your doom, and it is bitter. It has reached your very heart. My anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart My heart is beating wildly, I cannot keep silent, for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Crash follows hard on crash, the whole land is laid waste. Suddenly my tents are laid waste, my curtains in a moment. How long must I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? For my people are foolish, they know me not, they're stupid children, they have no understanding. They are wise in doing evil, but how to do good, they know not. I looked on the earth, and behold, it was without form and void, and to the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and behold, they were quaking, and all the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and behold, there was no man, and all the birds of the air had fled. I looked, and behold, the fruitful land was a desert, and all its cities were laid in ruins before the Lord before his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be a desolation, yet I will not make a full end. For this the earth shall mourn and the heavens above be dark. For I have spoken, I have purposed, I have not relented, nor will I turn back. At the noise of the horsemen and archer, every city takes to flight. They enter thickets, they climb among rocks, all the cities are forsaken and no man dwells in them. And you, O desolate one, what do you mean that you dress in scarlet, that you adorn yourself with ornaments of gold, that you enlarge your eyes with paint? In vain you beautify yourself. Your lovers despise you. They seek your life. For I heard a cry of a woman in labor, anguish as one giving birth to her first child, the cry of the daughter of Zion, gasping for breath, stretching out her hands. Woe is me. I am fainting before murderers. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it as we speak of it together this morning. So in the latter part of chapter three, again, we saw this, the repeated refrains uh, of return. And chapter four begins with that same call to repentance. So as Jeremiah describes it in chapter four, verses one through four, what does repentance mean? involve and then what are the results of repentance so what when he's calling the people to return what does he want to see them do and then what are the consequences of them doing that yeah greg Actions, And we saw in chapter 3, you know, he had this description, um, uh, Behold, you have spoken, but you've done all the evil that you could. (laughs) So this idea that repentance has to be more than just mere words. It has to involve actions. It has to involve cutting away the things that are keeping them uh, away from God these detestable things, I I love that, that the word there, like these things are despicable, but they're surrounded by them, Um, they're surrounded by all these detestable things, and as we saw back in chapter two, a big part of the problem is um, their willful um, self-ignorance of their sinfulness, like, well, what have we done? (laughs) We've not worshipped Baal, and he's, What's on that hill? (laughs) What's in that valley? Like the the evidence of your detestable actions are all around you. So yeah, it starts absolutely with this idea of removing these detestable idols from their midst. Good, what else does repentance look like and what, what does it produce? Absolutely. So it's, it's not just stopping, the do, stopping doing the things you shouldn't be doing. It's also true repentance is doing the things that God has commanded you to do. And he's, he's doing it through this picture as Dave um, presents to us in this image of the fallow ground. So fallow ground is ground that has been plowed. It has been cultivated before, but has been left untilled um and when you leave untilled ground um you know um fallow like this you know you get thorns <laughs> um you get weeds um you know uh my least favorite job as a child was um you know the garden that hadn't been touched for 6 months suddenly <laughs> uh is full of thistles and uh you know prickly things, and I had to go pull them all up. <laughs> um, uh, it Involves a lot of, of active labor um, to, and, so, and some people in commenting on this talk about how it's actually easier to clear ground that's never been plowed before than to plow ground or to, to tend to ground that has been left fallow just because it's like a forest that hasn't been maintained. Um, and you you can't go through it, because it's <laughs> underbrush everywhere. It's almost easier to plant a new forest and keep it clean of underbrush than to go in and remove all the existing underbrush. Um, it's that kind of image. So true repentance involves removing the detestable things and getting to work on those things that have been uh, neglected. Um, those doing the things that God has commanded um, that they've done before, but have have since left undone good. Yeah, the consequences of not repenting uh, or or tending to this forest is an enormous conflagration. Um, And that's what most of the chapter is gonna be focused on is, you know, it starts off with this call to the people, return to me, repent. And if you don't, (laughs) my wrath is gonna pour out on this unquenchable fire, and it's this kind of image I, I like how you connected those two things, Dave. Because it is this image: if you don't remove the detestable things, I will, uh, <laughs> um, and I will remove them with a fire that's going to desolate everything, just like you know, a fi- As you say, a forest that has not been tended. Um, when the fire comes, it's going to burn down everything, the desirable and the undesirable, and and left this this wasteland. Um, I. Like it's like um there uh I saw an article yesterday about it it's called um Europe's last rainforest, uh this segment of northern Ukraine that has basically been left untouched. It's this old wilderness and it it got destroyed last spring because the Russian military, you know, launched missiles in it and you know um you know started fires, and so what was once this beautiful virgin forest is now desolate. Um, And and that's the picture we're we're given of um, they're being called to repent, to remove this sin um, from their midst um, because they're subject to God's wrath and judgment. Um, And that judgment is is gonna come, and it's gonna come swiftly, and it's gonna come with this you know he'll give us lots of pictures in the coming verses of what it what it will look like Yeah, and it, that I the focus is absolutely on the heart. Um, and that's like, we, we talked some about this last week. This is one of the few prophecies, or chapter three was one of the few prophecies that in the first half of Jeremiah that's linked to a specific king, and it's linked to Josiah, who has you know, found the book of the law and he started to enact all these reforms. And what's become apparent um, to, to, to Jeremiah, and it's of course always apparent to God, that it's all outward. It's, you know, they're doing, like, they're, they're, they're circumcising the flesh, but their hearts are far from him. You know, they're doing the rituals, but they're still worshiping other gods on the side, and they're doing all these evil things. And and God wants, he doesn't just want people who are going through the motions. He wants people, just as Chris is saying, people who Follow him and and want the things that he wants um, out of that you know loving relationship that you know like when you love someone like this, you know when you know them you you want to to do the things that please them um and it's that beautiful portrait that Jeremiah's going to come back to this again and again this this is just the first time he uses this idea of um circumcising their hearts. And again, it's not a new idea with with Jeremiah, it's in the book of Deuteronomy. So, you know, uh, you can imagine this this idea, they found the book of Deuteronomy and they're doing all the outward stuff, but the same book of Deuteronomy (laughs) says, no, these things flow from the relationship you have with me. (laughs) That you know that I'm the Lord, and 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 Moses uses that same language of circumcising your hearts, um, and then he talks about outward circumcision. <laughs> but it, it's it's the the behaviors have to flow from the heart. The behaviors don't change the heart. The behaviors should flow from a repentant heart that has turned to God and love. All right, um, so that's our are called to repentance, um, and it ends with, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. Um, and that's what most of um, this chapter and the next two chapters are going to focus on, um, the wrath of God um, pouring forth. Um, so, in the passage that follows, um, particularly in verses 5 through 18, um, how does Jeremiah describe what's going to happen to Judah and Jerusalem because of its sin? What, what kind of pictures do we get of this coming destruction? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, so this enemy from the north is coming. Um, and, and again, I think um, as we think about this, some people are like, this is so descriptive and so detailed. It must have been come from later in Jeremiah's career when it's already happened. I think no, I think it actually, especially when we see his reaction later on and, and notice their continued calls to repentance intermingled in this. He's seeing a vision of what this judgment's coming and what he sees, as Mike says, is this enemy coming from the north and it's coming swiftly and it's coming, bringing complete desolation in its wake. Um, you know, it's, it's wiping the land bare, a, a word that doesn't come out in, in the English translations um, but it's repeated um, constantly in this is shattering Um, and that that word gets used of like, when you drop a pot (laughs) or you know, when you shatter a leg, Um, you know, you don't just break it clean, but like if you've ever, like I used to work in um, athletics and I saw x-rays of some people who like never played sports again because they didn't just break their leg, They shattered their leg, (laughs) and their thigh is being pieced together by titanium and bolts and things like that. It's that idea of something that is completely being um, uh, irrevocably broken and busted. Um, Israel is going to be shattered. Yeah, Dave. Dave. Yeah, and I want to come back to that. He feels it. Like, he doesn't just see it, like, it, it's not just like an abstract, you know, theologian. Well, destruction's going to come on these people, and they deserve it, and let's go have some tea. <laughs> like, it, it's, um, like, he sees it, and it makes him sick. <laughs> um, it, you know, it it's it's like when you see a scene in a movie or something, and you, you're, you're, body reacts to like, you know, like either it's a scene that's so graphically violent, like you, you know, you, you physically react to seeing this violent scene before you. He's seeing this vision of what's going to come upon Israel and he feels it. Um, Because even as God loves these people, Jeremiah loves these people and he knows they deserve it. Um, and he tells them they deserve it, like I, I love the refrain there in uh, verse eighteen um, listen to the to the pronouns, your ways and your deeds have brought this upon you. This is your doom, and it is bitter. It has reached your very heart, like in a very like you 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 all this is happening because of you, <laughs> um, but that doesn 't even though he knows it 's their fault doesn 't prevent. Jeremiah from from feeling it, um, from from seeing it, um, and then like yeah, as you say, Dave, these great um, word pictures like this idea of 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 the wind, um, and like you know sometimes you get a wind that ah, you know a nice cooling breeze, and sometimes the wind is useful like you know you hang your sheets outside to to dry in a nice cool. Um, you know, fall wind. Um, This is not it. (laughs) Um, This isn't a wind that's useful for winnowing. So like you throw the grain up in the air and the wind does the work for you by blowing away the trap, the chaff. Uh, This is a wind that if you throw the grain up in the air, the wind is taking the grain with it. Um, This isn't a wind you hang your laundry in because your laundry will come back dirtier than uh, came. Like he's, this is a specific wind, he, he's talking about the Sirocco, that it's hot. <laughs> it's not bringing relief, it's, it's bringing the heat. <laughs> um, and it, it's, it's not um, a cooling breeze, it's stinging you with the um, sand that's coming in it. It's a wind that darkens the sky. Like again, if you've ever seen um, videos of a dust storm, like you know, in a desert, like this strong wind that's blowing up the sand before it, this hot wind that's sand covered that's darkening the sky, like there is nothing good, pure cleansing, refreshing about it um, it's that kind of wind uh, that's coming, so he's very it's not just a a wind he's talking about he he's he's using a specific kind of wind that they're all going to know about, and like uh, Like they're gonna hear it and they're gonna know what that wind looks like. Good, what other pictures of the destruction um, that's coming do we get? Or how else does he talk about it? Yeah, and it's a lion almost like, I, I have no idea, I can't remember, the I didn't see the movie, I only saw the commercial, like, there's been some recent movie about this, like, ferocious lion that's like, nothing will stop it in its pursuit of this family. At least that's what I garnered from the one-minute commercial. <laughs> um, and it's that kind of, like, lion that a destroyer of nations He's gone out from his place to make your land a waste. Your cities will be ruins, in ruins, will be ruins without inhabitants. Um, yeah, it's a lion that comes in and devours everything. It's complete and total, like, you know, it's, it's not a lion that's coming to eat, getting its fill, and then going back to its den. Um, this is a, a lion coming forth, um, you know, so he's lightening the nations to coming forth they're they're not just coming, you know, to conquer. Um, they're not just coming to get what they want. What they want, they're coming to lay everything uh, to make a wasteland before them. Um, I, uh, and people have argued like, is he's being um, he's being um, exaggerating here? Um, but let me. Uh, I didn't copy it down, but let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, So this is a description from um, an archaeologist who who studied the region. Um, And this is what he said. Many towns were destroyed at the beginning of the 6th century B.C. and never again occupied. Others were destroyed at that time and partly reoccupied at some later date. Still others were destroyed and reoccupied after a long period of abandonment. There is not a single case where a town of Judah was continuously occupied through the Exilic period, so he's not exaggerating here. Like it, this isn't hyperbole. He's he's talking about um, a, 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 you know the wrath of God being poured out through these nations in a way that's visible to us, you know, almost three thousand years later. <laughs> like. That is, <laughs> that is some destructive force there, that the prophet is, again, seeing it um, uh, with his eyes and feeling it in, in himself. So in the middle of this description of this, this um, judgment, um, we get verse 10. Um, then I said, Ah, Lord, surely you have utterly deceived this people in Jerusalem, saying, it shall be well with you, whereas the sword has reached their very life. Like, how do we understand that? What's going on there? Yeah, Dave. Yeah, and in this case, it's not just, um, he's using the word, you know, uh, he's not just saying Lord or saying God, he's saying Lord God. Like you know, master God, <laughs> like so he's using the the language of of um, of covenant, like this is the language we see in the Abrahamic covenant, and he's he's saying to God, like you know, you know you why are you doing this um, you you said, uh, you know you've deceived this people, saying it shall be well with you, um, so how do we yeah, what do we do with this? this Jeremiah because we don't get a response notice like verse 11 isn't God's answer verse 11 is continuing (laughs) with the description of um what's going to happen to this people in Jerusalem and that's where we get our picture of the hot wind (laughs) like um so it's there's no pause for a response um so yeah verse 10 just kind of like it's kind of weird um Yeah, and in that reading, um, and this, that's exactly the way Calvin understands it. It's not Jeremiah you know, like calling God a deceiver. He's he's adopting the position of speaking. This is what the people are saying. Like so, he's speaking ironically here, like because we'll see throughout the book these these prophets coming. Peace, peace when there is no peace, <laughs> um, saying, oh, Babylon's not going to come, um, you know. And, and, and meanwhile, Jeremiah's sending letters to, to people in exile already in Babylon saying, build houses. You're going to be there a while. Um, and, and they're saying, no, the return will be swift. Like, you know, and, and as you say, they're saying they're trusting in the promises of God without Fulfilling any of the obligations that that come with those promises, and that is the we'll see this again and again. They, um, you know, chapter seven, they're going the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, um, and thinking, oh, cause we've got the temple, you know, God, God's not going to destroy his own his own house. That'll never happen. Like so, yeah, they're trusting on you know, the promises of the Davidic covenant, they're trusting on the promises of the the Mosaic covenant um, without looking at any of the obligations or duties of those. Um, And again, this is a, um, I had a, uh, copied a quote down. Where did I put it? Um, It's a problem when I was telling Matthew this, like when I make too many notes, I can't find anything. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's the, yeah, Um, The kings and his officials presume immunity from all disaster. Their claim rests solely on the ancient promise of God. But while each generation was required to pass on and transmit the blessings of God and the Abrahamic slash Davidic covenant, there was no guarantee that each generation would personally benefit in those blessings if they failed to believe God and to faithfully obey his word. The leadership of the king, his officials, priests, prophets, all fall under the divine indictment. Um, There is no more courage or heart for the resolve or nerve of these leaders, um, which has evaporated and crumbled in the face of the impending onslaught. So I don't think it's a coincidence we get these words, um, Ah, Lord, surely you've uttered and deceived this people right after he says, in this day, declares the Lord, courage shall fail, both king and officials. The priests shall be appalled and the prophets astounded. So he's capturing, why are the prophets astounded? Because they've been going around declaring, peace, peace. <laughs> it's never going to happen. And, and then it happens. Like you know, So they've been prophesying this false message. And so I think Jeremiah is kind of stepping into this and capturing that that idea, like they've been prophesying peace, peace, God will never bring this disaster, and then when it comes, they're completely and utterly undone, and their only response is, well, God must have lied to us. No, God didn't (laughs) lie to you. (laughs) He told you exactly what would happen if you fail to fulfill the obligations of the covenant. Again, Deuteronomy gives all kinds of blessings you know, it, it it tells of the promises of the land. It gives all those coveted blessings. But it also says, if you fail to do this, I'll take you out of the land. Like, you know, it promises judgment for disobedience. Um, and so for them to sort of say, well, you promised us peace. Uh, is like, as you say, they're like, well, God is love. And so God's love must overrule everything else. And it's like, no, God is also just. Um, and so... You can't um, hold to the love of God unless you accept the justice of God and his actions as well. All right, anything else we wanna say about his little personal side there? All right, what about the next one? So um, we get get another one of these kind of uh, reactions in verse 19. And um, if you look in different translations, um, they they they're trying to capture what it means, but the literal words there, my anguish, my anguish, my bowels, my bowels. So, like, you know, <laughs> imagine him clutching his midsection, like, my anguish, my anguish, but imagine him like, you know, he is um, grieved to his innermost being, um, and that is how he's, you know, when he says, "My, my." Anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart, my heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silent, for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. So, um, yeah, what, what do we, yeah, how do we deal with this, this kind of image of our, our prophet writhing in his pain and in his innermost being? Another way to maybe think about what does he see and how does it make him feel? Yeah, again, he he, he loves this people. He doesn't want to see them destroyed, um, and. Like, he doesn't want to see uh, all this befall them. Like, he, he, he feels it, it's, it is um, still that idea, like, he, he's just said, um, and, and notice, like, the reaction's coming um, uh, after this declaration, your ways, your deeds have brought all this upon you, this is your doom, it's bitter, it has reached your very heart. Um, and, and we see it has reached the very heart of, of Jeremiah. My anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain, oh, the walls of my heart, Like Yeah, and notice the language upon that. Um, like, verses 23 through 27. Um, I looked on the earth, and behold, it was without form and void, and to the heavens they had no light. All right, so just right there, what does that sound like? That that language is specific. It sounds like pre-creation. It's using the exact same words as what the world looked like before creation, as Chris says. Um, oh, I used to know it. Uh uh, tohu wabohu like um, is the the same words he's using here without form and void um, so he's he's literally describing all of creation being undone in this destruction, like it's a reversal of creation, like the things that are supposed to be solid and stable, like you know we look at mountains and we're like, oh, that mountain's been there, you know Thousands, millions of years, and it's like, <laughs> like, uh, <it's> <laughs> it 's like like it 's shaking it's that the thing that is supposed to be like the fixed point of reference <laughs> is moving <laughs> um, that 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 's a problem. Um, I looked and behold, there was no man. Um, all the birds of the air had fled, so it 's like you know um, i been walking to the train um, this this fall and like there's this one spot I hit on the trail it's like like I feel like I'm in a Hitchcock movie <laughs> like birds everywhere looking up at them suspiciously like you know like but here silence no birds um, no man um, no cities um, you know this this promised land that is full of plenty and bounty has been made a desert. Like, you know, it's, it's a wasteland. Um, so he's describing a picture of judgment that is a complete reversal of creation and undoing of what God has made. And notice in the midst of that, yet I will not make a full end. Like, even there, like destruction's coming, it's deserved, and yet there's still this but, but God, um, as we read in Ephesians last week as part of our, um, uh, um, oh, it's not the conf- So we read Ephesians, the confession of sin, and then in the assurance of pardon, um, the assurance of pardon there from Ephesians starts with but God. And uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, famously preached a sermon just on those two words. <laughs> um, and that's the image here, yet, yet I. So here it's not but God, here it's yet I. <laughs> um, and that is, like, even though this destruction is, is coming, throughout this there are all these little, um, you know, calls to, you know, look. You know, put away evil things. Um, you know, turn to the Lord, repent. Um, even though when the judgment does come, God is still going to preserve and keep his remnant. So he's not going to completely go back on his promises. His promises are still going to f- be filled to his people, not this generation. <laughs> um, but the, the remnant that survives will, will, will know his, his mercy um, in the midst of judgment. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, and it's, again, the God is being true to his promises. Both his promises to bless his people, but also his promises to, to judge his people. Um, and he's not gonna turn away from what he said he's gonna do. And notice that language there, for I have spoken, I have purposed, I have not relented, I will not turn back. Hmm, I wonder if God's gonna do this. <laughs> they're all questioning whether or not God will actually do this to them. And God is saying, you know, I I said it, <laughs> I've not changed my mind, <laughs> I'm not gonna turn back on what I said I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it. Like, you know, I will, I will, I will. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, the destruction, that's according to what God has promised, should remind them, okay, well, what he's promised to bless us, that's true too. Um, you gotta trust in both to go back to Mike's image of you know, the love of God, but, but not wanting to acknowledge that God is, um, is holy and just. Like you know, we wanna kind of extract one attribute of God away from the other. Um, and God fulfilling his promises and judgment should be enable us to be faithful and remind us that he'll be he'll be um, faithful in um, blessing us when we repent and exercise faith. Good. what other things strike you about um, this the prophet's reaction to what's coming? Yeah, Greg. Yeah, I love that that you caught that um uh that parallel. So um so what what Greg's saying there for in verse 8, you know, for this put on sackcloth, lament and wail for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. Like sackcloth is the is the um is what you wear when you're grieving. Like it's, you know, sackcloth and ashes. Like this is a sign that um Uh, of, of visible repentance, Um, but what, so that's what, you know, God is calling them to, put this on, wail, grieve, for the anger of the Lord is coming upon you, what should you do when the anger of the Lord is turned toward you, you should repent, (laughs) put on sackcloth, lament your sin, confess your sin, uh, turn to God in obedience, and, and what picture do we get of them? As Greg pointed out, we get verse 30. And you, O oh desolate one, what do you mean that you dress in scarlet and adorn yourselves with ornaments of gold, that you enlarge yourselves with paint? In vain you beautify yourself. Your lovers despise you. They seek your life. Like, so there's this contrast in verses 29 and 30, so at the noise of the horsemen and archer, every city takes to flight, they enter thickets, they climb among the rocks, all the cities are forsaken and no man dwells of them. So when this army of destruction is coming, the um, appropriate response is, <laughs> get out of there. <laughs> um, and instead, it, they're dressing up <laughs> and like welcoming, like and, and this, the, the language here is like it's all, um, it, you know, it's it's the clothing and ornaments of a prostitute. Um, so, a, as Greg said, like it's the contrast between sackcloth, putting on sackcloth and repentance. They're putting on the clothes of their holler, harlotry, and they're turning to their other lovers, the nations. You know. Um, and that's the picture he gives. Like they, rather than turning to God, well, Egypt will help us. Uh, The Assyrians will help us. Um, Maybe if we uh, dress up pretty, the Babylonians will, you know, treat us nicely. Like if, if you know, so they're trusting in um, these other things that aren't God, uh, as Greg's saying. Like it's, um, they're, rather than, putting on the clothes of repentance, they're doubling down on their harlotry and trusting of other nations. Yeah, Mike. It, it really, um, it, he's giving us a picture of what he directly tells us in verse 22 that I think directly reflects what you're saying, Mike. For my people are foolish. <laughs> they know me not. They are stupid children. They have no understanding. They're wise in doing evil, but how to do good, they know not. Like, and in the response of God, to God's wrath, to God's judgment, coming in the form of, of these attacking nations um you know rather than repenting um and turning to the god who's brought the wrath their hope is ah, let's party it up let's let's you know dress up let's turn to the other nations let's keep doing the same things we've we've been doing um and and thinking that it's going to lead to a different end <laughs> um and you know uh, it's that kind of idea. Like if you you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, that is stupid. <laughs> um, and that's where even to the very end, they're still trusting in the stupid things that have brought them to destruction. And rather than crying out in lament, as, as Greg pointed out, notice they're crying out. Um, For I heard of a cry as of a woman in labor, anguish as one giving birth to her first child, the cry of the daughter of Zion gasping for breath, stretching out her hands, woe is me, I am fainting before murderers. So again, it's like they can cry out in repentance or they can cry out um, from suffering the pain of judgment. Like again, that's the, the, that's what's on offer here in chapter four. Repent and and God won't bring the wrath of, that your sin deserves upon you, don't repent, and this is what it's gonna look like. It's gonna look like complete utter desolation. You can cry out in repentance, you can cry out in lamentation and grief over your sin, or you can cry out in punishment for that same sin. Um, and and that's, that's the portrait that, that we're being given here. Um, as these invaders come in, like he's seeing this vision, like of you know, like they're coming from the North. Like he's, he's already prophesied, destruction's gonna come from the North. That's one of his first visions that popped from the North. And now he's seeing it again. Out of the North is gonna come this instrument of God's wrath and the desolation is gonna be shattering. Again, I, I wish there was some way um, we could bring that part <laughs> out better in English translations because he's saying it over and over again you're going to be shattered um, by God's judgment. Um, And yet he's also saying, repent. (laughs) Um, You know, grieve, like, and and, you know, it's the two things that constantly go together in this book. Like Jeremiah knows the destruction's coming because God has said it's gonna coming, but he's calling the people to repent because he knows God has also promised the ju- judgment won't come if the people won't repent. Um, and, and the paradox for, for Jeremiah is he sees what's coming and he sees what's happening, what the people are doing. And so he knows this <laughs> and this <laughs> are are hopeless <laughs> because they are not turning um, and therefore this is coming and it makes them sick to his stomach. like. You know my anguish, my anguish. Um, and like uh, I love like later on, he's going to be like, "Tell God, like he's going to try to quit." <laughs> it's like, "No, I'm not doing it anymore. The people don't listen to me. Um, the words I'm saying are too harsh. I'm going to stop <laughs> and, and you know, it's, it's as if he, he, he can't stop um, because he knows it's true, and he knows the people's only hope is to warn them of the coming destruction again and again and again, because the only hope for the people is, is that they'll hear, they'll understand, they'll repent and act. Um, and if they don't, then it, creation itself will be as if it's undone. All right. Well, we're at time. So uh, next week, um, Pastor Kerr, I'm going to be away, but Pastor Kerr is going to take you through chapter five, and we'll continue in Jeremiah. Um, but let me close uh, chapter four uh, for us in a word of prayer. Gracious God, you are um, even in your wrath and judgment, you are good. Um, you could have uh, brought this uh, judgment upon your people um, swiftly and it would have been uh, equally deserved, but um, you delayed it. Uh, You sent your prophets, like Jeremiah, to call the people to repent over and over and over again. And they did not repent. They did not listen. Um, They acted foolishly and wickedly. And Lord, we confess that we too um, so often act as if um, there is no God. We trust in ourselves. Uh, we trust in the things of our own hands. Um, we deny um, the, your truth and think that disaster and judgment won't come. Lord, help us to repent um, both as individuals uh, to put away our sinful and self um, selfish actions, um, but turn in, in repentance to you. Um, uh, Lord, we, uh, we long to be people who, like David, follow you with our whole heart. Uh, make us a people after your heart that longs to see um, your ways done on the earth. Um, write your word on our hearts, Lord, uh, as you've promised to do by your spirit. Um, give us um, the power by your spirit to do the things you've told us to do and to not do the things that you've commanded against us. Lord, um, Uh, In all this, um, we should be undone as we see um, this judgment fall upon um, your people. Um, But Lord, help us to trust in the one um, who has drunk the cup of wrath that we deserved, Uh, the one who took the wrath, um, took the judgment, took the penalty of our sin, and paid for it on the cross, our Savior Jesus. Um, even as we see your judgment poured forth in these chapters, help us rejoice in knowing that we've been delivered from this wrath by our Savior, Jesus Christ, and help us in him to trust and to follow in faith and obedience. And we ask all this in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.